Um, so, hi guys, I'm Roaming Millennial, or Lauren Chen, if you are uncomfortable with YouTube screen names in person. I know some, some people are. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming out, and thank you to the College Republicans United for organizing this whole thing, because I, when I was a freshman, I was going to the University of Southern California. 65,000 students at that campus, there were 14 of us in College Republicans. Uh, one of those people was my roommate, who I made, made come, just to, just to come. So, I mean, what college Republicans do, you may not feel like you're making a difference and you may feel like the, I don't know, navigating all the administrative efforts that they make you go through just to have a club on campus. It may seem like a lot, but I know for me, it was so nice to be able to go to the, those meetings and just feel like I wasn't crazy, like I wasn't the only person on campus who was a conservative. No, I was one of 14 people on campus who was a conservative. But, but even that, that made a difference. So thank you guys for what you do and for everyone who came out tonight. Really appreciate it. First, we're going to be talking about why feelings don't care about your facts. And I know what you may be thinking. You have that the wrong way. But no, trust me. Feelings really don't care about your facts. And uh, I want to tell you a little bit about why. So I'm a huge Ben Shapiro fan. You guys know Ben Shapiro? You like Ben Shapiro? Right? Yeah, he, he is amazing, and he is a powerhouse. I mean, listening him debate, I'm fairly certain he's part cyborg. I mean, last year with Chank Uger, he ended up reciting, what is it, 50 or 60 years of the Democrat and Republican Party's histories when talking about the, the idea of the Southern strategy and that there was some shift. He did that just off the top of his head. When it comes to someone reciting facts, like, there is, there is no one better than Ben Shapiro. And um, he's... He's a big reason why that whole facts don't care about your feelings saying became popularized. And I, I don't know about you guys or the reasons why you may or may not be conservative, but I'm someone who I really care about data and statistics. If I look at the reasons why I believe what I do, and if I examine the places where I've ended up changing my beliefs, statistics are, are a big deal for me. Um, you know, I put a lot of stock into things like quantitative economic growth when it comes to reducing the amount of regulations on small business. I put a lot of faith into the fact that when you look at firearm homicides, most of them are done with illegal, illegally obtained firearms, and a good amount of those are actually also suicides. Um, and when it comes to something like immigration, I, I really care about the financial costs that are associated with something like letting in immigrants who have less than a high school degree, which, by the way, actually ends up costing the government a measurable amount of money. So all of those things matter to me, and they're part of why I identify as a small government conservative, and you know, maybe some of you guys feel the same way. Because there, there are a lot of facts that support conservative principles. Uh, not to say that there aren't any that support maybe more liberal things. There, of course, there are liberal ec ec economists who, who you know, are very quantitative as well. Um, and I actually, I love meeting those people, people who may be on the left or more center left, center right than me, um, when we can actually get into the nitty gritty of policy, when we can talk about things like numbers, dollars, percentages, specific crime rates. It's amazing. Those are, in my opinion, some of the most productive and challenging debates. Um, but as I'm sure a lot of you guys know, that's, that's not really representative of the majority of political conversations that are happening right now. I mean, how often when politics comes up nowadays do we say, hang on, let me get out my graphs, you get out yours, and then, and then we'll compare. Never, right? Essentially, never outside of maybe Reddit, but no, not, not even then. Um, so I've been doing political and social commentary for about two years now. No, more than two and a half years. And something that used to 
confuse me a lot as someone who really cares about things that are quantitative and who has had their opinion swayed before when presented with data is that I was so confused when I would, for example, make a video about something like the wage gap. And I would talk about things like the differences in hours worked between men and women, differences in things like career choices and professions, differences in things like, uh, I guess, even how likely men versus women are to enter into salary negotiations. I would make a video talking about all of those things and then you know, upload it. And lo and behold, I would get 50, 60 feminists in the comments just, you know, one time my boss asked me for coffee, so sexist. I know a lot of women who are engineers. I don't know why the voice is different, but it is. And well, you know, I would read these things, and part of me would always be like, oh, okay, like that's, I don't, I don't even know why that's relevant, right? That's not addressing anything I've said. Um, and it would always confuse me. Those, those people who would, in response to me laying out an argument where I'm, I'm presenting numbers, give something like a personal anecdote, a, a feeling of, oh, but I feel unsafe coming home from work, therefore, wage gap. That, that really confused me. Um, because the truth is, facts don't care about your feelings. For example, uh, you know, the Carl's Jr. trio that I had the other day, probably more than a thousand calories. The way I feel about that isn't going to change it. Um, so I was feeling, like when I started my channel, like, all right, I'm giving you the facts. I'm presenting you with data. Why, why are you still not agreeing with me? I was so, I was so confused by that. And I think you know, when you look at someone like Ben Shapiro, in my opinion, if we are supposed to be swayed by facts and statistics, I mean, he's giving them. He's out there on a national stage. Why is not everyone Republican? Like, that, that to me didn't make sense. Like, hello, he's, he's right there. He's, he's telling you important things. Um, so having such a sizable proportion of the people who disagreed with my videos seemingly take that more what I perceive as feelings-based or emotional response. Um, not, not all of them, mind you. I'm not saying that everyone who disagrees with me is discounting facts, not at all. But if we, if we look at maybe the people who are the loudest and maybe who get the most attention, the people who are chasing people out of restaurants right now, we're talking about them. Um, looking at them, it made me feel like we were speaking a different language. For example, uh, I would say something like, hey, certain majority black communities really do have higher rates of crime than the national average, uh, but it turns out that in actual confrontations between police officers and men, white men are more likely to be shot than black men. Black lives matter. That's the, okay, yes, yes, they do. Not sure how that's relevant, but okay. Another example would be while there are many and mostly peaceful Muslims out there, uh, we can't deny that there is a quickly growing and very violent extremist branch of that religion that is not compatible with Western values. Islamophobia, right? Uh, one that's, I think, especially relevant now based on uh, what has been reported by the New York Times is that gender may have components that are based on social norms like fashion choices, but overall, a lot of the differences in how we perceive the genders are based on innate biological differences between men and women. That's apparently debating someone's humanity, in case you, you guys weren't familiar. So it, it, it was after a number of these conversations of feeling like I wasn't speaking the same language as the person I was talking to when I finally realized I'm literally not speaking the same language as them. And uh, that, that's what I'm going to talk about today. So uh, are you guys familiar with love languages, languages of love? Right, OK, yeah, right. So, so they're really important, and if anyone isn't, uh, love languages are just the idea that 
everyone expresses and receives love differently, right? For some people, expressing love, uh, showing someone that you care about them, is doing something like an act of service. Uh, sometimes it's gift giving, and you know, similarly, people might want to receive love in a different way that they express it. For some people, those words of affirmation, actually saying that you love them, that's what they want. Um, for sometimes, it, for some people, it's quality time. Um, so it, it's the idea that humans communicate and interact in different ways that's really important and actually if you don't know your own love language I really think there are a ton of online quizzes out there and it's important to realize your own and your partners just to make sure that you're communicating in the same way that you're both able to receive and reciprocate affection in a way that is acknowledged so that's an important idea and I think funnily enough that that actually applies to politics who here has heard of the Myers-Briggs personality assessment Right, that's, that's a really big one. Um, it analyzes personality based on four different characteristics. Um, you have introversion, extroversion, sensing and intuition, thinking or feeling, and perceiving and judging. And it's one of the most well-known personality assessments. It's kind of fallen out of favor for the big five, I think, recently, which talks about things like agreeableness and neuroticism. Um, and I used to work in human resources before I did political commentary, by the way. So uh, just all around exciting person. Um, but the thing with personality types is that they're actually a lot more than just you know a star sign or zodiac or astrology. They're a huge field in psychology. Uh, if you are a fan of Jordan Peterson like I am, you'll see you'll know that he talks about personality types a lot. And personality types actually tell us a lot about not only how a person perceives the world, but also how they make decisions. And so if I can bring things back to politics a little bit more, it turns out that there are a lot of things that affect our political beliefs. Things like where we're from, the politics of the people around us, especially our parents, our personal experiences, and as it turns out, our personality types. Yeah, um, there actually do tend to be clusters of different political beliefs among certain personality types. Um, you know, when it comes to things like judgment or perception, intuition versus sensing, uh, agreeableness, for example, those all tend to be associated with either uh, liberal or conservative outlooks, and it tends to be where, uh, you know, if you're someone who is very agreeable and very into openness, you are more likely to have liberal beliefs, as it turns out. And it's not an exact science, um, you know, if this is going on YouTube, I'm sure going to get a lot of people in the comments like, I'm this, but I, yeah, like, not exact. but if you know someone's personality dimensions, you actually have a pretty good chance of at least being able to guess what, what they might identify as politically. And so the reason why that matters when it comes to communicating, especially with someone who might disagree with you, is that when it comes to the, I guess, the thinking versus feeling dimension of at least the Myers-Briggs type, it turns out that you are more likely to be conservative if you identify as a thinker and more likely to be liberal if you identify as a feeler. Now, what does that mean? Uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm someone who puts a lot of stock into what is quantitative and what is measurable. My personality type is an INTJ. Um, as special and individual as I am, it turns out with my specific personality type, I'm, I'm almost guaranteed to be a conservative. Right, And so when it comes to me discussing with someone, I want to bring up the graphs, I want to bring up the facts. But what I have found so often when trying to talk to people is that they, they disregard them and they start speaking from personal experiences and emotions. And I think as conservatives, it's very easy to dismiss that as you're being irrational, I don't care, doesn't matter what you think. 
um, facts don't care about your feelings. And while it's true, facts don't care about your feelings, considering that we live in a democracy, it's, it's so important that we don't give up trying to reach those people who are maybe a little bit more focused on feelings and emotions, right? And you know, it's important because, like I said, we live in a democracy, but it's also important because the idea that facts don't care about your feelings and that you, know, you have to have facts to be conservative, it almost lends itself to the idea that feelings should be a liberal position, which to me is, doesn't really make sense because uh, you know, there's this whole saying that if you, if you're a liberal, sorry, if you're conservative, but when you're before you're 30, you have no heart, and then if you're a liberal when you're over 30, you have no brain. I don't think that's true. I mean, if you, you guys who are conservative, like, do you guys have hearts? Like, are you compassionate? Would you say yes? Yeah, right. Because that's the thing. There is a great emotional, a great feelings-based case to be made for conservatism. Conservatism, in my opinion, is the more compassionate stance when compared to liberalism. It is the more, um, you know, if we're talking about who's going to make people feel the best, then I, I believe that's conservatism. And for the longest time, I think, because uh, you know, conservatives tend to cluster around the thinking personality type. We've been so focused on conveying our message through that way. Um, and it's great. It's important. It reaches a lot of people, but it doesn't reach everybody. And I think, you know, maybe if you guys in college, university have been in debates with some of your peers who are maybe more left-leaning, maybe you felt that you aren't reaching them by talking about these graphs and statistics. Um, so what I would like is for us conservatives to start talking to these liberals in their language. Um, because like with languages of love, if you're not talking to someone using their values and uh, their perceptions, they're not going to hear you, right? It's like if someone was trying to convince me to be a liberal and they just started talking about how we need to take care of everybody, like, I'm like, like that's what church is for. Like that's, that's not gonna do it for me, it's just not. So let, let's talk a little bit about how we can convey the conservative me me message to our more feelings-based liberal friends. Um, something that I found very effective, if, you know, if maybe not in complete conflict resolution, but at least conflict amelioration with liberals is using the premise of compassion, right? And when we, when we talk to the left, it's often, uh, you know, what about the migrant? What about the, you know, the ex-oppressed group? Um, they very much like to see themselves as the savior type sticking up for the little guy. And when you compare it to conservatives, it can kind of make us seem like cold, aloof, like we don't care, like we're the big evil man in charge. Um, and that, that to me is just a big distortion of the facts because there are a ton of marginalized groups that are benefited by the conservative position. It's just that liberals don't seem to care about them and we don't seem to talk about them enough. For example, uh, when it comes to economic reform, who's out there arg arguing for the small business owner that's being crushed by regulations? Who is out there advocating for the low-skilled worker when it comes to immigration who's getting pushed out of a job? Right? Who, who's arguing for the rights of women when it comes to mass immigration from Islamic communities who simply don't share the same respect for the, the fairer sex that the West does? I mean, where, where is all the advocacy for those marginalized groups? We just, we just we don't hear it. And, and that's the thing. There's always someone out there 
who, who you can frame it as the conservative position helping. And when it comes to people who care about feelings, they want those specifics. Like, numbers and graphs are great, but as conservatives, we can't forget that any policy affects people in, in real life, real individuals. And we need to make a better effort at talking about those individuals. Um, because as much as I, you know, when I hear the story of, oh, but this person I know, um, those anecdotes, those represent real people, and they are effective in conveying the real effects of conservative policy. So let's, let's talk about them, because those examples are there. And uh, another way that I think the conservative message could be more, I guess, practically framed is that, you know, the, the left liberals, they often paint their side as offering this perfect utopia, right? And it, it, wouldn't it be great if everybody had healthcare? Wouldn't it be great if housing and even the internet were a right? And when you're offering people the world uh, on a platter, when, when you're that person who's saying no, doesn't, it's, it doesn't really look good. It's, it's bad for optics. And um, you know, that, that kind of leads me to uh, think of another little saying that we have is, who, who, who here has ever said that it's not the government's job to take care of people? Right. Um, it's not. It's not the government's job to take care of people. But let, let's think about that a little bit more, at least from a liberal perspective. Does that mean that if it were the government's job to take care of people that they could? Like, is that, is that the only reason why we don't want that? Because we just hate the poor? No, it's not just that it's not the government's job, it's that the government is not able to do that. And so we need to, I mean, it's, it's not a popular position to have, but we need to be very clear that we may not be offering people a hypothetical utopia where everyone is great and uh, you know, pretend that Venezuela didn't happen. We're offering them an imperfect reality, sure, but it's still the best reality that we have. I mean, people are attacking capitalism left and right right now, but capitalism has done more to bring people out of poverty than, than any other, other system known to man. So let's, let's talk about that. And, and that's not to say that it's perfect. I would never claim that any system is. Um, but the fact is, the fact is that, that we have the results to show for our positions, right? The, the socialists, even the de democratic socialists, they don't. And I think that also goes into the idea of long-term prosperity. Um, I know often when I talk about things like the problem of huge welfare states, uh, the problem of letting in people into the country without any regard to their skills or values, um, I'm always painted as being cold and uncaring, right? Because you're, you're essentially saying that you don't want to help those people in, in the minds of, of many liberals. Um, but again, I don't think that's an accurate position, or I don't think that's an accurate depiction of conservatism, right? And I'm a conservative because I think it's the best way toward long-term prosperity, right? And it's, it's, it's kind of a thing where I think conservatives were so focused on the abstract that we don't always get into the nitty gritty. Um, there are amazing conservative, uh, I guess, options out there for things like failing public schools, things where we can actually help people and help them not only now, but help them in the long term to the point where they don't need to be on welfare. But we don't really talk about those as much, right? The, the left is so much better on things like community involvement and community engagement. Um, and that's really, that's a failing on, on our part, right? I, I don't know how many times I've been talking to someone and been, you know, discussing the issue of systemic racism and the issue of failing public schools comes up. And let me tell you, there are a lot of people out there on the left who think that conservatives believe that the current 
public school system is good, right? They, they actually think that, that we like this, that we support this. And you know why? It's because we don't talk about it. It's because we don't bring it up. Uh, in their minds, we are complicit. And I mean, we kind of are in, in a failing system. And it's because we don't talk about how to make things better from the ground, ground up, at least not from the perspective of a lot of people. And the, the same thing happens with things like prison reform and criminal justice reform, right? Um, you know, there, there are a lot of conservatives out there who, who want criminal justice reform, who want to focus more on things like rehabilitation versus just punishment, and who want to address the recidivism rate, things that increase long-term prosperity, but we, we don't often get that message out there. So I, I think that's, that's very much a problem. And you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to people uh, you know, who might be shrieking Nazi at you, I, I don't know how many of you have had that happen, um, there are people out there that, yeah, they're not going to want to listen to you, but there are also a lot of people out there who just because they haven't bought into the, uh, I don't know, the Ben Shapiro-esque, here's all the data, uh, basis for conservatism, that doesn't mean that you have to stop talking to them, that doesn't mean that you can't some, in some way convince them, and it absolutely does not mean that you should stop trying because the thing is guess which personality type is most prominent against people or for people it's not the thinkers like if, if you're a thinker here you are in the minority which is terrifying but that just makes it all the more important that we're able to frame the message of conservatism in a way that other people will understand <laughs>